Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we've spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in Christ's presence in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And hey, we've appreciated the great response we've had to the first five seasons of the podcast, and we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast, but all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd like to invite you to become a monthly patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. That's transformingcenter.org slash patron. You can choose what level of support you would like to give, and you'll get some exclusive bonus content for becoming a patron. Thanks so much for considering it. I also want to let you know that this season, we're walking through Ruth's newest book, which is called Invitation to Retreat. We're going to have one episode per chapter, and we encourage you to purchase the book and read along with us. When you buy the book from the Transforming Center, you're going to receive a signed copy from Ruth and some exclusive bonus offers. So visit thetransformingcenter.org to learn more. Episode six, letting go of your grip. So I'll be honest, this particular movement, letting go, surrendering, relinquishing, it's so hard for me particularly. I think I have control issues for sure. Hmm. Um, but so can, can you please define for us what is it that you mean by this movement of, of really letting go? Yes, well, surrender or abandonment to God is one of the major moves of the spiritual life. And so retreat is an amazing opportunity to practice surrender or what, what they call in the ancient language abandonment to divine providence. Um, and this, the central dynamic of the spiritual life is to grow in our ability to surrender or to abandon ourselves to God. And on retreat... We, we know that we're actually entering into a kind of relinquishment. That's part of the invitation is to relinquish ourselves to God. So um, in what sense are we relinquishing ourselves to God? Well, we're letting go of human striving and human effort because on retreat that just has no place. Um, we're relinquishing or letting go of what we usually identify with and how we identify ourselves. So we go into a, a retreat and all we are is a seeking little soul. It doesn't matter who you are, how great you might be, how effective your ministry, how much of a leader you are, how well-known you are. You go on retreat and all you are is a seeking soul. So you're letting go of your, your identity the way you usually uh, identify yourself. We are relinquishing or letting go of our addictions <laughs> and all the ways we distract ourselves from what needs attention in our lives. Um, we are relinquishing or letting go control of everyone and everything that we usually think we get to control. You know, the people around us, our work environment, <laughs> uh, whatever it is. Um, relinquishment is surrender. And it's what David is talking about in Psalm 4610, where he says, be still, which literally means let go of your grip. The word rafa there is, is the Hebrew word for letting go of your grip. So be still, let go of your grip and know, which is experiential, full body knowing, know that I am God, not cognitively, but in your whole body, know that I am God. So we could actually offer a different translation of that verse to say, let go of your grip and experience letting God be God in your life. That is what retreat is all about. And so retreat is an opportunity to practice something that none of us are very good at. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh 
as you were defining that, I remembered um, Kelly, who was part of part of you know you know Kelly and TC Six, mm-hmm. and um, she is so she's so sensitive to things of the spirit mm-hmm. and several times in like the first couple of retreats she would approach me and say you look troubled and at first i was i was offended by mm. that you know even though i would tell anyone yeah. i am very troubled but you <laughs> didn't want anybody to say it showing on your face right. yeah so i had to let go of mm-hmm. of this yes. management of, mm-hmm. of uh people's impressions yeah. of me you know and I had to let go mm-hmm. of my inability to receive that kind of loving yeah. help because mm-hmm. now I got to know her and, and I still know her. She's just this wonderful, caring, giving person. Mm-hmm. And she was offering me help. Yeah. But hey, now, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. not comfortable with that at first. And I, I, I think for me that 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 was about letting go. Letting of, go of a way you identify yourself in yeah. a way that you manage your image. But it yeah. surprised me because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said yes. that that's my mm-hmm. issue. I, I, I wouldn't. Right. I would have said, "Sure." I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm authentic. Yeah, I'm vulnerable. <laughs> yes, that's right. But for pastors and leaders, mm-hmm. I think there's a way of yeah. being carefully mm-hmm. uh, vulnerable in a very controlled, not contrived, mm-hmm. but a very controlled right. way, mm-hmm. where only you to a certain vulnerable. extent. And it's, it's it, so, and that's probably appropriate for your mm-hmm. congregation. But at on retreat, when a yes. friend comes up to you, so. Man, that was big. That was big for me. So let me throw it back at you. How did you practice relinquishment in that moment where somebody was reading your face more carefully than you wanted them to and seeing more than you usually let people see? What what did relinquishment look like for you beyond the letting go and letting God kind of superficial thing we do sometimes? Mm-hmm. I actually had to engage in what I was feeling in the mm-hmm. moment, which is some shame, like even though, again, yeah. I... I I, I would have admitted I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also had to admit that I wasn't okay with someone being that in my face mm-hmm. about my need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to sort of be with my feelings mm-hmm. about that because that that went against a, a value I thought mm-hmm. I had, which was I'm open. Mm-hmm. I'm, and so I had to, I had to deal well, with that. Well, it went against how you saw yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. yes. Thank you. That's, mm-hmm. that's very well said. And then I had to decide. Right. Um, if I'm going to let mm-hmm. go of my my perceived notion of how other people see me, um, I could still have said to her, thank you for asking, but I'm not comfortable talking right now. That would have been fine. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a letting go because I'm not going to impress her by saying something, you know, uh, vulnerable, uh, or I could choose to to dive in. Yeah, you're right. I'm yeah. I'm really not doing yeah. well, and yeah. Um, or you could have. It could have been even a combination. You're right. I'm not sure. doing well. I don't feel quite ready to talk about it. But thanks for mm-hmm. for noticing, mm-hmm. because now in that you would be relinquishing your need for her to see you a certain way by acknowledging. Yeah. Right. Even even though you don't want to go further with the conversation, you're at least giving up your need to be seen in a certain way. Yeah. And saying you're right. I'm not doing all that well. Don't feel ready to talk about it. But but you're you're right. And then I think it was an invitation finally to. I actually took that back and mm-hmm. journaled a little. Uh, yeah. I journaled about it because I noticed how uncomfortable I was with that. Um, right. And so I brought that to God, and mm-hmm. and and there was no. I, I didn't have some huge aha or some big change, but I think it it, it did change the way I um, viewed other people on the retreat, mm-hmm. and what I tried to be aware of without trying to fix anything about me was 
okay, I don't want to switch now to have a happy face, you know, to walk yeah. around fake. Cause I don't, mm -hmm. I, I, I had to choose to not change my affect. Um, right. And if, if that happened again, I could choose again how right. I would respond. So, um, so I'm relinquishing yeah. my need to be seen a certain way by people. And I'm, and I'm going to still walk through this experience mm -hmm. being who I am mm -hmm. and not, not trying to control how people see me. Yeah. That was what relinquishment was. Yeah. And it was, it was work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was work. And my sense, God was with me in it. Right. But sort of saying at the end of the day, so, so how did that go today? Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, I mean, that right. was, that was my sense mm -hmm. and kind of a smile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for following up on that. That was, that was interesting to remember that. So are there other ways that retreat helps us to practice relinquishment? Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the more challenging aspects of retreat is that I really am apart. I'm, if I go apart, I really am apart. I am cut like away off. From. I'm away from the people that I love the most or the things that I think are really important. And so when I'm away on retreat, the lives of my loved ones go on without my knowledge, without my direct involvement. Uh, the work of the ministry I'm a part of or whatever it is that I do for my work, that goes on without me. World events go on without my knowledge. If I'm truly retreating, I'm not keeping up on the events of the world. Isn't that an unusual feeling? Um, so I remember being away. I was away leading a retreat uh, when 9-11 happened. Wow. And um, because it was before the time of everybody having cell phones, I mean, the more important people in the room might have had a pager, but you know, we didn't have cell phones. And so we didn't find out for two or three hours that 9-11 was happening. So to me, that is a kind of a striking example of the fact that the world literally goes on without you. Mm -hmm. um, and you might not even know about it. And that, mm -hmm. that can be uncomfortable for those of us who are used to, you know, feeling like we know everything. So being out of the loop in that way, being apart in that way is both hard and good. Um, there have also been many times when in the context of retreat, I've become really uncomfortable with how much of life is going on without me. You know, I'll be aware of events that might be taking place in my kids' lives or, um, you know, aware of things that I have you know, chosen that I need to miss in order to be on retreat. Because, you know, probably at this stage, I can't even go on a retreat without missing something. I'm always going to be missing something. Um, and on this particular one, though, it was the eight-day retreat. I was missing quite a bit. I was missing out on a grandson's birthday party. I was missing out on seeing what my daughter did for his party. I was, um, it was late in the pregnancy of another daughter, so I wasn't checking in with her every day like I usually do. Um, there was, um, this was during the time of my mom's, um, uh, cancer. And so I missed a doctor's appointment. I usually went to every doctor's appointment with my parents and I was missing one. Um, just even simply missing out on the evening walks that my husband and I take. There was a lot I was missing to be on retreat. And, and at some point I got uncomfortable with that and I had to really work with God with that. And, so I realized that that on retreat, I was being asked to relinquish those things to God and to trust that God was going to be good and that God was going to care for people without my direct involvement. It also brought me face to face with whether or not I was inordinately attached to myself as someone who's always there. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to think of, the, of being the person, I never miss anything. I'm never not there uh, when yeah, you need me. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you need me, I'm there. <laughs> so I had to even relinquish how I like to see myself in relation to others and how I want them to see me. Um, and I had to relinquish the way I normally show my love to people, and that is by being present. So this time I wasn't. I was doing something different and, and actually living into the fact that 
there are times when I simply must choose to belong to God and God alone hmm. and that I belong to God differently than I belong to my husband. I belong to God differently than I belong to my kids, to my parents, to my ministry. You know, there is a primary relationship right there that needs to be attended to, even though it sometimes mis- means I miss other things. Well, that's, that is the deep weeds. I'm telling you, that is the deep weeds. That's the deep wrestling that we go through on retreat. Is that a little bit of what Jesus, you know, was saying when he says you must hate your father and, and mother and brothers and sisters? He's certainly not saying you have to hate your actual family, right. but he's talking about the primacy of your relationship with God. Is he? Yeah, not? right. Um, and that's why it's a, it's a challenging verse, you know, for some more than others. But I, th- I think he is talking about the yes, the, the the primary nature of our relationship with God and keeping that in its proper place at all times. Which is why we go on retreat because mm-hmm. we because we allow God to be in that ultimate place mm-hmm. while we're on retreat. Mm-hmm. We say you are most important. This relationship is most important. Yes, I think that helps me even to like that's such an important thing. That's why we go on retreat because it's life is too busy mm-hmm. and hard um, without retreat to to bring that back into mm-hmm. focus. It's a it's a, actually a, a very concrete thing we can do to say and make real the fact that God is our first allegiance and Mm -hmm. our first uh, relationship. And this is the same idea with Sabbath, right? Mm -hmm. That every six days we we stop and we remember, we honor Mm -hmm. the Sabbath, keep it holy. Yeah. So really what you're talking about is this fear of missing Mm -hmm. out, which is so common. It's universal. Mm -hmm. What do you do for yourself on retreat when you experience those feelings? Yeah. Well... One thing that's been really helpful is to look at Jesus' life and this moment in his life with his disciples where he says to them, it is to your advantage that I go away because the Holy Spirit will come. And I imagine what it would have been like to be those disciples um, and and to hear Jesus say that. And I wonder if they said back to him, you've got to be kidding. How could it be to our advantage that you're going away? Yeah. Um, and Jesus is saying this really difficult truth. And that is that if his if he goes away in terms of his physical presence with them, the Holy Spirit can come who is going to be actually closer to them than he could have been in his physical presence. They couldn't understand how that could be yet, but it was indeed true. And that is what they experienced, that Jesus was closer to them in his absence than he was in his physical presence. So I think that it gives us the opportunity to wonder, could it be true for us as well? Is there any way in which my physical absence can actually be the ministry of absence? that there's a ministry in that, there's something good. There's some way I can be with you in my absence that I can't be with you in my presence. Um, so here's some ways that I have experienced the, the ministry of absence and how that can actually be ministry. One is that I find that I am more deeply drawn into prayer for those I love during retreat and situations that I care about. And because I can't be physically present, actually intruding upon them and mucking around in their lives, all I can do is hold them in God's presence. And and be present with them. And I have to believe that holding them in God's presence is a goodness for them. And in some cases, better than me actually, you know, pushing my way into their lives and actually doing stuff for them in my controlling sort of way. Um, Also, what I find in those moments is that God oftentimes will bring me ways to pray. You know, the Holy Spirit prays in in, in groans too deep for words, and I find I can join the Spirit in those groans in a a way that's different than just being directly involved. and I, I do find that I have a clearer sense, a more incisive sense of what I might pray for, what is on God's heart for them. And I can join God's heart in that way. 
praying for others and being present to God on behalf of others is a very rich experience being on retreat, I think, and practicing, practicing the letting go, letting them be gods and letting them belong to God too, while I'm here belonging to God. And then finally, I do become aware of how much I sometimes try to take God's place in people's lives by being directly present with them. And so, um, to consider the fact that maybe if I'm not directly involved, that creates more space for the Holy Spirit to come in and do something different than I might know to do. And because I've done so much, you know, retreating at particularly leading retreats, um, I've had to wrestle with this many, many, many times, um, because there's always something that's hard to leave. And I remember one time when I was, um, going, it was to do a transforming center retreat. I'm pretty certain. And our youngest daughter, Haley, was young at the time, 10 or something like that. And she really did not want me to go. And this is painful. You've had these moments, too, when your kids cling to your legs and say, do you have to go? Do you have to go? And of course, that's a terrible beginning to a retreat. It's just heart wrenching. But I was committed. I mean, this wasn't just a personal retreat. This was I was leading a retreat for others. I really didn't have a choice. So I had to do this very thing that I'm talking to you about right now. I had to trust God to be God to Haley, our 10 year old or however old she was while I was away doing what God was calling me to do. So literally, when we did the trust envelope Mm -hmm. exercise, I wrote Haley's name on the trust envelope, you know, Mm -hmm. having to trust her to God. And it turned out when I got back, you know, the first thing I wanted to know was how did she do and what happened? Because um, at that time, I think our oldest one was in college. And what, when I came home, I, I and you know talked to Haley about how she did on while I was on retreat. She said that um, Charity actually came home from college and spent time with her. And it was more, I mean, it was just a wonderful time that they had that wouldn't have happened in the same way if I had been there and, you know, present with them. And so it, what did it do? It opened up space for God to bring something to Haley that met her in a different and better way than even my presence would have. Mm. And so that incident has given me great confidence that when I, when I have to be away and on retreat, because that's what God's calling me to do, that I can trust God with those I love and that God has his ways of coming to the people that I love because he loves them as much and more than I do. And, and so I get to trust God with them. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good exercise for me. You know, that's helpful for me uh, when I travel. Now, our family has, it's kind of a joke now. I mean, it's not a joke, but it, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a joke that someone gets sick. Every, yes. every time mm-hmm. I leave, someone gets sick, yeah. our family. And so, you know, uh, when I'm talking to my boys, they'll say, well, mm-hmm. dad, guess who it was? It was Isaac. To, you oh. know, and I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh. And then wow. I feel terrible. Uh-huh. Um, so actually now this is going to help me go, okay, Lord. You know, you i got to trust I, you with this I, one that I love. Yep. We, we mm-hmm. all decided I was going away and yeah. this is mm-hmm. why. And but so who's sick right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, Mary was getting sick. Oh. On, I, I don't know. She didn't say that she was sick when I talked mm-hmm. to her yesterday. <laughs> but um, but it was interesting because <laughs> Sunday morning yeah. when I was getting yes. ready to go, she goes, <laughs> honey, I think it's me. You know, and, and I knew exactly what she was talking yeah. about. You know, and so um, that'll that'll just give me a good a good mm-hmm. way to pray and even to share with my boys. You yes. know, hey guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because I haven't been super intentional about saying you're in God's good yes, care. Yes, yes. And let's let's talk about that. And let's, let's watch for it. Let's, let's watch, watch for to it. see what God does because and I'm. And let's talk about it when mm-hmm. I get home. I mean, yeah. my boys are mm-hmm. still little enough to. Well, maybe you, you're never too old, but to where that would be fun for them. I think yes. to watch for mm-hmm. that, to watch for God's care. Yeah. How would you like to mm. end this episode? I want to end this episode in a really, really simple way. I want to bring us back to Psalm 4610 and that uh, the Hebrew word rafa, which means let go of your grip. 
So um, I'd like to invite us into that prayer posture of feet flat on the floor, legs uncrossed, arms uncrossed, and our hands open on our lap. But this time I'd like you to feel what it feels like to open your hands as a way of literally letting go of your grip. So is there anything right now that you are clinging to and grasping at, holding on a little too tightly, a person, a relationship, a situation um, that you're trying to manage, a care or concern for your own life, um, anything that feels like you're clinging and grasping, even a sense of your own identity. And just try opening your hands on your lap and using as a way of concretely letting go of your grip. And in that letting go, knowing that God is God in your life. Knowing that God loves and God cares for what you love and care for. Knowing that God is so capable of caring for whatever it is that you've named. Knowing and letting God be the one who's in control of that situation. Letting go of your grip so that God can be the one who cares and is whatever that situation needs. Notice how it feels to open your hands in the face of this particular aspect of your life. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6, way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Thank you so much for your support of the Transforming Center in this podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. These reviews and ratings increase the visibility of the podcast. Thanks so much.